You're listening to a podcast by Abide Church and Pastor Dan DeBell in Tulsa, Oklahoma. We pray this podcast helps you live, love, and look more like Jesus this week. Enjoy the message. Today we are continuing our series. It's called A Better Life. And in this series, we're talking about the Ten Commandments. So if you've been with us, you know that we're talking about the Ten Commandments. If you haven't, I would encourage you, go back in our podcast, go back uh, on our YouTube uh, channel. You can go back and listen or watch all of these messages, especially the first few weeks of this series. They're uh, the foundation that all of this is, everything else after that is, is built on. We're talking about the Ten Commandments, but more specifically, again, we're talking about the principle behind the Ten Commandments. That the Ten Commandments are not just a list of do's and don'ts. It's not just the rules of God saying, no, you can't do any of this stuff because I don't want you to have fun. No, it's really the same way that I would tell my son, Gavin, you can't play in the street. We can go play in the front yard, but you're not going to play in the street. Why? Because I hate my son? No, because I love my son and I want to keep him safe. And it's a principle of safety and awareness that I'm teaching my son. And by doing so, guess what? He's going to get to live a long and healthy and a better life. Why? Because I taught him some principles. We've got to look and change our perspective on the Ten Commandments. And it's not just God saying, you can't do anything. No, he's saying, I've got some principles for you to apply to your life. And if you will apply them, you will get to live a better life, the life that I have for you. So today, here's the principle that we're talking about. We're talking about how to love others. How do we love others? And more specifically, how do we love people that, if we are being honest, are not very lovable? Right? Uh, maybe you can think of somebody <laughs> right now in your life or an experience in your life. You can say, I, I, it's very difficult to choose to love them. Here's the commandment, though, that we're pulling this from. It's Exodus 20, verse 13. You shall not murder. Now, here's the thing. When I'm planning and preparing this series and I plan and prepare for this message, either this message could be extremely long or it could be extremely short. Like, we could leave it at this, right? Like, don't, don't go out and murder people, okay? Like, I could just leave it at that. We could pray and go home and get to lunch early, right? But we won't do that because we're looking at the principle, right? You shall not murder. We all know that. Hopefully, you know that. We, we know that. I'm not so concerned about um, you going out and, and murdering people, but I'm, I'm concerned about us getting caught up in the things that would lead us to something extreme like this. And that's what we're going to talk about, the opposite of this. Let me, let me break down this commandment really quickly, though. It does not say you shall not kill. Now, the, the, the old King James says you shall not kill. But in the original language, there's a difference between killing and murder. And a lot of people will take this you shall not kill to an extreme, that you can't kill animals, that you uh, can't kill in self-defense. Um, but there's a difference. Murder is when you take a life when you don't have the authority to take that life. It's the illegal or the immoral taking of a human life. But there are times when our law enforcement, when our military, and they're engaged in a war, when our judicial system takes a life, and that is different than murder. That's different than murder. And we're going to talk about that briefly here in just a little bit. But the, the, the Bible actually implemented or implements capital punishment in the law. It talks about this. And we got to remember this. When it comes to this commandment, we must remember that we are free today. In the United States, in America, we are free. We have freedom to gather like we are even this morning. We are free today because men and women fought for our freedom. And in doing so, they were not violating the sixth commandment when they were fighting for our freedom. They were not. 
That it, and you can look at it this way. If the Ten Commandments were against killing, then we would have a little bit of an issue. Things would look drastically different if we were going to abide by that because we would all be uh, vegetarians and pacifists uh, that we wouldn't even kill in self-defense. And so you can see that uh, obviously we're not. <laughs> so uh, if you read through the law, and we're going to look at a few of these verses today, you're going to see how the, the Bible, the same Bible, the Torah that contains the Ten Commandments, contains this commandment, the same Bible prescribes the death penalty for murder. It allows animal sacrifice. It allows the eating of meat. Okay, and any meat eaters in here say amen, right? That's a good thing, right? That's, that's good. But here's what we're going to look at today. How do we love people? How do we not go to something extreme like murder? But how do we choose instead to love people that are not lovable? Uh, we're talking about the principle of loving others. It's the opposite of murder. And, and today we're going to look at a few scriptures that links hate to murder. We're going to look at a lot of scriptures that link hate to murder. And so here's what Romans says, Romans 13:9. It says for the for the, these commandments, the commandments, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not bear false witness, you shall not covet. And if there is any other commandment are all summed up in this saying, namely, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. So here's what he's showing us. He's saying love can be summed up as the opposite of those things. If I'm not going to do these things, I've got to love my neighbor as well as choose to love myself. And we're going to talk about that as well here in just a little bit. And so, again, I'm not totally concerned about us going out and committing murder. But I am concerned about the things that lead us to that dark place that someone would take a human life. So, today I have five points, okay? Normally I have three. So if you're a regular attendee, you're like, man, we're going to be here for three hours. Only two hours, okay? No, I'm just joking. I'm going to go through these really quick, but I'm going to talk about there's two paths. There's a path that leads to murder. There's a path that leads to loving other people, that principle. And so we're going to look at the two really quick. The first point is this, if you're taking notes. Hate comes before murder. How do I get to the point where I would take a life? There's hate in my heart. Hate in my heart. And we're going to look at a few verses here. Deuteronomy 19, starting in verse 11, says this. But if anyone hates his neighbor, he lies in wait for him, rises against him, and strikes him mortally so that he dies, and he flees to one of those cities, then the elders of that city shall send and bring him from there and deliver him over to the hand of the avenger of blood that he may die. Here's what we're talking about. He hated first, and what did he do second? He murdered second. Hate came before murder, and then what after that? The death penalty. Go get him, bring him back. That's, that's where we were, in the law here. Let's look at it, the opposite of this, though, in Joshua 25. This is a different situation. Then if the avenger of blood pursues him, they shall not deliver the slayer into his hand because he struck his neighbor unintentionally. And look at this. But did not hate him beforehand. This is the opposite. I accidentally killed somebody else. What did it not have? hate in his heart. It wasn't intentional. He wasn't meditating on it. So how do we know if it was murder or not? Hate. There's a root of hate in someone's heart. Hate preceded the act of murder. And we're going to look at a lot more verses, almost all of our verses today that talk about murder. You're going to see that word hate in there as as, as well as a few other ones. So here's point number two. Point number two is this. Anger comes before hate. How do I get to a point where I have so much hate rooted in my heart that I would take a life? Well, I've allowed something to come before hate. I don't just wake up and hate somebody. I've allowed anger to take root in my heart before hate ever does. And I've allowed it to linger in such a way 
that it would lead me to a dark place. Before you hate someone, you're angry with them. Let's look at this uh, story in Genesis 4, verse 3 through 5. And in the process of time, it came to pass that Cain brought an offering of the fruit of the ground to the Lord. Abel also brought of the firstborn of his flock and of their fat. And the Lord respected Abel in his offering. But he did not respect Cain in his offering. And Cain was very angry, and his countenance fell. He was angry. Let's skip down to verse 8, Genesis 4, 8. Now Cain talked with Abel, his brother, and it came to pass that when they were in the field, that Cain rose up against Abel, his brother, and he killed him. What happened first? He was angry. Angry, and because he let that linger, where did it take him? To an extremely dark place. To an extremely dark place. But here's what we have to understand. Anger by itself is not a sin. In fact, Scripture tells us to be angry, but sin not, and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on what? Your wrath. Anger by itself, the, the, the emotion of it is not a sin. However, how I act in my anger is where I cross the line. And that is where how I deal with my anger, how I act in my anger, that is where I cross that line into sin or not sin. And in fact, here's a question. Have you ever, have you ever known someone that is quick to blow up on people? Like they have a short fuse. Any, anybody know somebody like that? Like they, if a little tiny thing happens, they explode, they're screaming, they're angry, maybe they're throwing things. Like they have a very short fuse. They have a very short fuse. Let's think about that for a second. Why are they quick to blow up like that? They have unresolved anger is what it is. Unresolved anger. You can think of, think of um, when they blow up like that, think of like a pot of boiling water boiling over. Okay, I'm no cook, all right, but I can make some boxed mac and cheese with the best of them, okay, all right, so um, I'm, no, I'm no chef, but I can make a mean mac and cheese. But here's what I do, here, and here, this is, will probably show that I am not a cook. Here's what I do with, uh, when I'm making my macaroni and cheese out of the box. I will go to my kitchen sink, and I will turn on the hot water and let the hot water go until it gets really hot. Then I will fill up my pot with hot water then I will put it on the stove and turn on the burner and let it then go to boil. Why? Because I'm trying to make it go quicker. I'm not trying to wait for cold water to come to a boil. I want it to boil faster. And if I leave it unmanned, what happens? Eventually it boils over. This is a perfect picture. And again, that's, that's probably not the best way to do that. So don't take my advice on that per se. But this is a good picture of those people that blow up so quickly. They have a short fuse that are quick to anger. What is it? They are filled already with hot water. And a little bit of flame, a little bit of heat from a situation allows it to boil over. We've got to learn how do I deal with that anger on the, that unresolved anger on the inside of me? How do I deal with that so that I'm not quick to boil over in anger and to act in anger, which would then lead me to sin? Be angry and sin not. We've got to find a way, and here's how you do it. And this isn't the main point, so this is a side point. If you deal with anger, you're quick to be angry. Number one, you need to surround yourself with some good friends, godly friends who will hold you accountable, who can speak into your life, not their opinion, but they can speak God's word into your life. Number two, you need to have a daily time. Hopefully you already do, but you need to have a daily time in God's word. If you don't have daily time with God, you are not going to be able to properly represent God and Jesus to the world around you. 
You're going to continue to be a Christian, but you're going to have that quick fuse. And everyone's going to link your quick anger to a God who is quick to anger that way and to lash out. I've got to spend some time in his presence, reading his word, getting on my Bible app and doing a plan if I need to, and getting in his word, soaking it up and meditating on it day and night. And when I do so, it softens my heart. It gets rid of that hot water that's on the inside of me. And what does it do? It makes me act more, talk more like Jesus in my life. It's the same way if you have a best friend or your spouse even, someone that you spend a lot of time with. What happens? The more time you spend with somebody, the more you act like them. Right? Me and my brothers, uh, growing up, we were so close. We're still best friends today. And we would have like our own language. We could just mumble and we would know what each other was saying. We would act a lot alike when we were kids growing up. Why? Because we were always together. It's the same way with you and God. The more time you spend with him, the more times you can just invite him into your car ride on the way to work and you worship him, the more times that you're maybe on the job site and maybe you're, you're working, you're doing manual labor, whatever it is, and you're just praying and talking to God or just singing a worship song, the more you invite him in, the more he can minister to my heart. But our God is a, God, a, is a gentleman. He waits at the door and he knocks. And when you let him in, he will come in and he will dine with you, commune with you. But he's waiting for the invitation. We've got to deal with the anger. But let's take it a step further. Let's go a little bit deeper. What comes before anger? Point number three is this. Offense comes before anger. Offense. And we live in an offended world right now. And it's teaching the next generation that being offended, being triggered, being woke is okay to act that way. It's not. Not, not for believers. Being offended that we, would, that we would drastically or lash out or lead us to something, it's not okay. Let's look at a few scriptures here. Um, before I get to, to the next scripture, the story we just read, why was he angry? Cain was offended that God would accept Abel's offering and not his. He wasn't angry before God rejected it. When was he angry? When he saw that his expectations were not met, he was offended. And that's what leads to offense. We could have another point here. Unmet expectations lead to offense. I was expecting God to accept it, and he did not. So what, what, he was offended, and so he was angry then. Let's look at Matthew 24, verse 10. And then many will be offended. They will betray one another and will hate one another. What leads to hate? What leads to anger? What leads to these extremes? Offense. Offense. Let's look at Mark 6, 2 through 3. This is a good story to kind of show us what we're talking about. And when the Sabbath had come, he, being Jesus, began to teach in the synagogue. And many hearing him were astonished, saying, astonished, I have it highlighted. We're going to come back to that. It's not exactly what we think it is in the original language. They were ast- astonished. And they said, where did this man get these things? And what wisdom is this which is given to him, that such mighty works are performed by his hands? Is this not the carpenter, the son of Mary, the brother of James, Joseph, Judas, and Simon, are not his sisters here with us? So they were offended at him. Let's look at the first word, astonished. This is why it's so good to dive a little bit deeper into context when you read your Bible. But then also it's good to every once in a while go and look up the original word in the original language. And there's a great app. It's called the Blue Letter Bible app. It's a website. It's an app. You can, you can use it. It's a great resource to do this. But astonished in the original language means to strike or hit someone, to expel by a blow, or to drive out in a way. When I read astonished, I think they were impressed. Whoa, look at this guy. 
Look at the look at the wisdom. Like when I read it in English, I think they were impressed by him, but then all of a sudden by the end of it, they were offended at him. But when I understand the original language, I can then understand why they were offended at him. As he began to teach, they got angry. Why? Because he was just a carpenter. And it offended them that a measly carpenter from their town would have such a following, would have such wisdom, and would be able to do such mighty works. Who's this guy? We know him. We know his sisters and brothers. Who does he think he is that he can come in in here and do that? What led them to offense? They were offended at him. So much so that they wanted to physically, with blows is is the example, drive him out. Get on out of here. You're not welcome here anymore. Very interesting. They were offended so much that they wanted to physically drive him out. Now, we could read this and we could say that's pretty foolish on their part because he's healing people, he's teaching, he's giving them wisdom. Why would they be offended? But again, we in 2022 get offended by the smallest of things. I gave somebody a gift and they didn't write me a thank you card. I'm writing them off, right? I'm not their friend anymore, right? Offended, right? They should write you a thank you card or at least say thank you, yes. But many times we jump to offense, right? I did something for my spouse, right? I made a meal and they didn't immediately respond and give me a compliment back. And because of that, I'm mad at them and give them the silent treatment for a few days. Quick to offense, quick to be offended, right? That person cut me off in traffic on the way to work and now I'm just in a grumpy mood. I go to work and I'm just upset and I'm mad about it. I'm going to let one human offend me and affect my day. Who then is the real Lord of my life for the day? Whoever I allow to impact my attitude, my word, and my actions is who I allow to be the Lord of my life for the day. But many times we allow some foolish human, and we're all foolish humans without God, we allow a foolish human to step in and to do something, to say something mean to us, to say something that should be offendable to us, right? There's going to be times where you are legitimately, that it should be offensive. But how will you handle the offense is the question. Will you hang on to it and let it linger? Or will you say, you know what? They shouldn't have done that. They shouldn't have said that. They shouldn't have treated me that way. But I'm going to choose a different path rather than letting them control the rest of my day or my week or my job, whatever it might be. I've got to make some decisions on how I respond to it. And here's, how, here's the easiest way that I've found to not be offended. Okay, hear me in this. We need to lower our expectation of people. People will let you down. Churches will let you down. Pastors will let you down. People are going to let you down. Why? They're people. They're humans. Lower your expectation of people. But when you lower your expectation of people, here's the other side of that. You better raise your expectation of God. Don't put your faith in humans, is what Proverbs says. That's foolishness. Lower your expectation of people and realize they're humans. They're going to make mistakes. They're going to do something that I don't like. They're going to be offendable. They're going to offend me. Lower your expectation. Raise your expectation of God. And here's what happens. When I raise my expectation of God, it allows me to keep my focus on him and say, Lord, I know this stuff is happening in my life. I know this person is 
doing this in my life, but Lord, I'm going to choose to get my eyes off of them. I'm going to choose to put my eyes on you, and I'm choosing to build today in my life, in my family, on the rock of your word. And saying, look, Jesus, you are my rock. You are how I build my life. And no matter what comes my way, I'm going to be able to stand because I am built on you. And this is what Romans 9, 33 says this. It says, as it is written, behold, I lay in Zion a stumbling stone and rock of offense. And whoever believes in him, him being Jesus, will not be put to shame. Here's what we need to realize when it comes to offense. When it comes to having Jesus in our life, whether we are building on him or not, Jesus will show up in your life, whether we believe or not. But here's what happens. Jesus is either going to be a stone that you stumble over, or he will be the rock that you build your life on. Either he will continue to be something that you just stumble over and you can't figure out and you just can't get steady, or you'll say, you know what? I'm not going to live in this life of offense. I'm going to plant myself on the rock of Jesus. And it may offend other people how I choose to live my life. But because I'm not living for them, I'm living for him, I can still stand when the storm comes. You either stumble over him or you will build on him. So here's what happens. How do we get all the way to murder, (laughs) right? Hopefully you've stayed with me here. Offense leads to anger. When it's not dealt with, it leads to hate. And eventually it leads to murder. And I would say this. We were talking with our, our prayer team beforehand, and my dad brought up a good point. I think there's times where in our life, we would never physically murder someone. But you've allowed hate to linger so long in your heart that you have murdered them in your heart. It's the same way that Jesus talks about um, whenever you go out and, and lusting after someone. Well, you've committed adultery where? In your heart. The condition of our heart is vital to our walk with God. I've got to keep my heart healthy and in healthy soil. And that's done with daily time with him every day. It's the, only, it's the only way to do that. But I've got to make sure that I'm not allowing offense to creep in. And again, people are going to say things that are offendable, but you've got to respond in the correct way. I can't let offense linger because if it does, it will turn to anger, which will turn to hate, which will drive me to a dark place in how I look at God's creation. Though there may be people that deserve to be hated. I've got to ask myself, what, what am I allowing to, to rob, stay in here that's robbing me from God's best for me? Because that's what happens. We, the scripture talks about the root of bitterness in our life. The root of bitterness is poison. It gets rooted in there. And what is it doing? Is it hurting the person that I'm mad at? Is it hurting the person that I'm hateful towards, that I hate? No. If I allow it to linger, it's only robbing from me. So this is why the opposite is our focus. I'm going to spend just, just I have two points left here. We've got to pursue this path to loving others then. If I want to experience God's best for me, I've got to make a choice not to go down this path of hate and anger and offense and bitterness. I've got to choose today I'm going to love others well. And so point number four is this. Let's go down that path for a second. Forgiveness comes before love. Forgiveness comes before love. Matthew 5, verse 43 says this, You have heard uh, that it was said, You shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But Jesus says, I say to you, love your enemies. Bless those who curse you. Do good to those who hate you. Pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you. How can you love someone who is your enemy or hates you? How can you make that decision? I would say this. 
There's, there's several things we could talk about, but here's what I, want, I feel like I need to talk about. It's impossible to love them without forgiving them first. It's impossible to love them without forgiving them first. In fact, let's look at a few different, let's get a story here. I'm not going to go through the whole story, but how does hate lead to murder? How does uh, forgiveness lead to love? Uh, the story of Jacob and Esau in the Old Testament is a great example of this. Let me give you three verses here and just kind of highlight the story. And in Genesis 27, verse 41, it says this. So Esau hated Jacob because of the blessing with which his father blessed him. And Esau said in his heart, the days of mourning for my father are at hand, then I will kill my brother Jacob. What happened? He hated him because of the situation. And now he's like, in his heart, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to murder him. I'm going to take his life. That's how much he hated it. That's how much it was driving him to that action. He hated him, so he was going to murder him. But let's fast forward and see the rest of the story here. We're going to look forward 20 years And let's look at how forgiveness leads to love. Same story, 20 years have passed. Genesis 33, verse 1. Now Jacob lifted his eyes and he looked. And there Esau was coming. And with him were 400 men. Put yourself in his shoes for a second. What would you think if the man who hated you was coming at you, coming towards you with 400 men? It's on, right? We're about to fight, and somebody's going to die today. Somebody's going to die today. This man hates me. He's coming at me. Let's look at verse 4, Genesis 33, 4. But when Esau, but Esau ran to meet him, and he embraced him, and he fell on his neck, and he kissed him, and they wept. How, how? Could Esau, who hated Jacob, who in his heart was ready to kill him, sure, time had gone by, but it was still in there that he had something to be hateful and to hate him about. How could he get to the point that he would run to him and not just say, I forgive you and you can stay at a distance? No, how could he get to the point that he would embrace him and they would weep together and hug one another? There's only one answer. How does it go from hating and wanting to kill him to loving him? He had forgiven him. It's the only answer. He had forgiven him. But let me remind you of this. I talked about this last week. We need to be reminded that when we forgive people, if you have someone in your life that you have struggled, they've done you wrong, maybe it's a family member, they've done you wrong, and you know you need to forgive them because you know it's going to just, it's going to be a burden off of you and it's going to allow you to receive from God. You know you need to forgive them, but forgiveness doesn't mean access. Let me remind us of that. You may have an abusive, alcoholic parent, right? And, and every time you're around them, they're verbally abusive to you. Maybe they're verbally abusive to your kids or your spouse or somebody like that. You can forgive that person, but it doesn't mean that you have to allow them to spend every day in your house or come over on holidays. Why? Because by setting up boundaries, even though I've forgiven them and I'm not bitter towards them, I can set up boundaries. And by doing so, I am loving my family and my kids and my spouse well. I don't let a wolf come into my house. If there's someone who has not changed their ways, who has not repented, 
They don't get access. I will forgive them so that I can be free of it, but it doesn't mean that they have access to me and my family. Here's the other thing. Some of you need to learn to forgive yourself. Love your neighbor as yourself. Some of you are sitting in here today and you don't love yourself. Because of your past, maybe because of something that that's, you feel like how you are, you don't love yourself. And I would say this probably because you haven't forgiven yourself. There's something that you've done, something that's happened that you just, you pretend, put on a good show, but you haven't truly forgiven yourself. Today, God sent me to tell you, you need to forgive yourself so that you can love yourself. And in doing so, you can love others well. But you can't love someone else the way that you love yourself if you don't love yourself. But let me take you to point five. Grace comes before forgiveness. Forgiveness comes before love. But grace comes before forgiveness. How can I forgive someone? I gotta give grace to them. I've gotta give some grace to them. And I would say this, if you have a problem giving forgiveness to someone else, you probably have a problem receiving forgiveness. If you struggle giving forgiveness to someone else, you, you probably have an issue with receiving forgiveness. Matthew ten eight says this, freely you have received, freely give. Freely you've received, freely give. If you don't receive freely, <laughs> you can't give freely. I've got to make a choice that I'm going to receive forgiveness from my Heavenly Father so that I can learn to freely give it to someone else. But hear me in this. Let me take it a step further. If you feel like you have to earn forgiveness from God, you will make other people earn it from you. Let me say that again. If you feel like you need to earn forgiveness from God, you will make others earn it from you. God loves you so much that he, while you were still sinning, Christ died for you. And he's made a way that if you will repent, meaning not just lip service, but put your faith in him, turn from your ways and change how you live your life. If you will do that, he will forgive you and separate you from your sin so that you can experience all that he has for you. Once you understand grace, you realize that you don't, you, you don't deserve to be forgiven. You don't deserve it. And there may be somebody in your life that you've said, they don't deserve my forgiveness. But let me remind all of us, I don't deserve it from God. But Jesus loved you enough to say, I'll go. I'll take their place. You will learn to forgive people who don't deserve forgiveness when you realize and you understand and you ask God to help you understand how much he's forgiven you. The word forgive in the Greek means this, release. It means release. So when God forgives you, he releases you from the punishment of your sin. He says you're free from it. You're not held accountable for it anymore. I separate you from it. I release it. So then when you forgive someone else, it means that you release them. I'm going to release them. Why? For me. (laughs) Because if I hang on to the offense to the hate, to the bitterness, to the, the anger, who is it really hurting? Me. 
And God's saying, if you would release them the way that I've released you, you could live the better life that I have for you. Would you, would you choose to release them? And again, if you need to set up healthy boundaries, do that. Doesn't mean access. Doesn't mean you can come in and be my best friend. But I will release you and forgive you because I know who's forgiven me. There's two paths that we can take, right? This message could be really short. Don't murder people. We know that. But how do we, there's things in our lives that in our heart will take root that will lead us to a dark place. That is it hurting other people? No, it's just hurting me. And the only other people it's really hurting is my family because I'm not walking in God's will for me. There's two paths, right? Offense, then anger, then hate, then murder. Maybe not physically, but maybe in my heart. The other path is life. It's grace. Lord, help me understand your grace so I can forgive other people. It's grace, it's forgiveness, then I will love them well, even if it means loving from a distance. But how do we do that? Remember, you gotta lower your expectation for people. They will let you down. Your spouse is gonna do something that offends you. Your boss is gonna overlook you. Your church is gonna say something you don't agree with. Lower your expectation of people. Your faith is not in people. Raise your expectation of God. Your faith is in a living God who loves you and he is the one who sacrifices life for you. He is your savior. Your spouse is not your savior. He is your savior. He is the one who can lead you down a path that leads to life and life abundantly and the overcoming life here on this earth, which is what? The better life that we're trying to live. It's not all sunshine and rainbows, but I can promise you this. When you choose to forgive and you choose love, the principle of love, over hate, God can work in your life and it will free you to experience God in a fresh and a new way. Let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, I thank you for your goodness. And Lord, we come before you today in the mighty name of Jesus. And Lord, I just ask you right now to help us take this word, help us take this principle of loving others and help us understand it better. As we just continue to chew on it today and remind ourselves of it, Lord, this week, would you just help us get a glimpse of how much you love us, how much you've forgiven us? Would you help give us a glimpse of how deep your grace is that even when we fall short that you are there and you are there to pick us up and to put us back on the right path? And Lord, I pray that as we choose love over hate, as we choose to forgive, Lord, would you give us wisdom on how to set up healthy boundaries? If there are people who are harmful in our lives, that that are maybe family members or people that we know, would you give us wisdom on how to set up boundaries, Lord, so that we can forgive them, but we can still walk in protection and love our family as well, God. And Lord, right now, I just choose, and I, I just, I choose to pray right now specifically, Lord, for those of us in here, that need to forgive ourselves. For those that are sitting in this room or watching this or listening to this right now, that they've done something in their past and they have not forgiven themselves. They've done something or something's happened, maybe something's happened to them and they haven't forgiven themselves. Lord, right now, through the power of your Holy Spirit, I pray that you would just come into their life right now, soften their heart, help them have the boldness and the faith to release it and to release it to you so they can walk in your perfect will for their life. I thank you for it. In Jesus' name, everyone said, amen, amen. Thank you for listening to the Abide Church podcast. If you'd like to partner with us financially, or if you're in the Tulsa area and would like to attend our weekly gathering, you can check out abidechurch.com.